You know that day that Jesus came riding into Jerusalem triumphantly, they waved palm branches, said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna, Hosanna, which means he saves us, he saves us. That's what they were, uh, what they were yelling that day, and today we celebrate that. Today is Palm Sunday. Uh, it's the day that we, as, as the church uh, liturgy, uh, we, were, we remember that this is uh, the day that he came riding into Jerusalem, and it was a happy, happy day, and he did come to save us, and that's what we're celebrating now, 2,000 years later. Oh, happy day, the day that he's, he took my sins away. Will you stand together, and let's sing it. Here we go. We don't have words. Oh, we did. For a second. Oh, sorry. There it is. False alarm. All right, you know, well, welcome behind the screen, behind the scenes of all the technical stuff. Here we go, happy day.
Amen. You can be seated and welcome to First Baptist Church. We are so glad that you are here to worship with us this morning. And uh, if you're a guest with us, we're extremely glad that you're here. We'd love to get to know you. One of the ways that we do that is through the guest card that's located there in the pew rack. If you could take one of those out and fill it out for us, that would be incredible. And then after the service, if you go to the left to the Welcome Center, you can drop that card off on the desk or give it to our lead pastor, Dr. Cox. And he has a small gift for you coming and being a part of our worship service this morning. Uh, we're in a season of prayer and a season of giving for North American missions. And uh, we set a goal of $20,000 to give to this offering, and we're almost there. And so God has been good, and he is using our church in incredible ways, and we want to say thank you for that. But today we turn our attention to Tennessee Missions and the golden offering for Tennessee Missions. And uh, this is an offering that we give to, but we're also a recipient to. So 20% of this offering goes to Tennessee Missions, and we receive more than we actually give to this offering. Because of the Jesus tent at Bonnaroo, we receive roughly $10,000 every year from this offering. And it helps us be the largest evangelistic event in the state of Tennessee. And so um, if you want to be a part of the Jesus tent, we do this every summer at Bonnaroo. You go to thejesustent.com and you can sign up. You get a t-shirt. I know people who would do just about anything for a t-shirt, right? Um, but you can get a t-shirt, you can serve. Uh, we've made the process really easy for you can sign up for shifts. Uh, three hours is the minimum um, to come out and to serve, but it's an incredible ministry. We'd love for you to be a part of that. Uh, but there's a prayer guide in your worship guide for how you can pray for Tennessee Missions. And today, Sunday, is for evangelism and discipleship. Um, the TBMB has set a goal of 50,000 people baptized every year. Uh, and this is what they pray for. We want to join them in prayer. So would you join me in praying for Tennessee Missions? Father, we want to lift up our state to you, God, as we see more and more of people moving to Tennessee. God, we live in a mission field. And so, Father, I pray for the Jesus tent at Bonnaroo. I pray for all of the efforts going around of our state to point people to Jesus so that people can move from death to life. And Father, I pray for this offering that it be used for your glory and for your name. And that's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you stand and let's sing together.
forgiven by the blood of Jesus. He has forgiven us.
Lord, help us to remember today as we enter into this time of the Lord's Supper that we will remember the great gift that you have given to us as your Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross, paying the penalty for our sin that we may have life. And to that end, we say thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Peace be seated. Good morning. Good to see you today. Welcome on this Palm Sunday, the day that we celebrate that Jesus is the rightful King of the universe. He's the Lord of Lords. On this Sunday, He was rightfully welcomed into Jerusalem uh, with palm branches and shouts of Hosanna, God saves. And we echo those shouts today saying, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. And uh, we are, are glad to be related to Him. I want to take just a moment before we look at God's Word today to look ahead to next Sunday. Next Sunday is Easter Sunday. We have encouraged you to invite someone to church with you next week week. Uh, it is a good time to do that. People are receptive to that invitation. There are invite cards at the Welcome Center. If you'd like to uh, use those, uh, invite somebody to come with you next week. I'll be preaching a, a sermon entitled Easter 101, what Christians believe about the resurrection, the basics of why we believe Jesus is alive and what that means for our lives today. I want to talk to you for just a moment about parking. Um, we uh, Throughout the time I've been here, we've not had enough parking. And finally, last year, we've got our new lot finished, added about 100 new spaces. We now have 361 parking spaces on our campus. So if 2.1 of you come per car, which is about average, uh, then we've got enough for a normal Sunday on our campus now. Uh, but we still don't have enough for Easter Sunday. And uh, so I want to encourage some of you who, like me, are young and strong to, and don't have little children, uh, to park off campus next Sunday. Um, if you would consider parking at the library, that's where I park every Sunday, or Closets Plus across Highway 41, we can use both of those lots, or Project Donuts and Save-A-Lot area, or in Food Line, outlying areas, we can use those next Sunday. So here's some incentive to get you to do that. Back when we didn't have enough parking, I created some uh, pastors clubs uh, to get people to park in outlying areas. We had a pastors gold club and you got a gold card and if you parked in the pastors lot in the very back and then we created the pastors, pastors platinum uh, card if you would park off campus. I've got a lot of those platinum club cards left over. <laughs> this is real plastic folks. This is not, this is not paper. This is real plastic and it says this card entitles the bearer to off-campus parking, you have opportunity to have the worst parking if you will get one of these cards. So I've got about 50 or 60 of these left, and I'm willing to give them away on a one-time thing. You can have this card. See me at the Welcome Center. If for one Sunday, I'm looking for 50 or 60 of you who'll say, because I love Jesus and I want somebody who hadn't been at church to have the opportunity to come on Easter Sunday, I'll park off-campus and walk across next Sunday. You see me? One of these can be yours uh, today. Thank you for helping us uh, to do that, to reach out to people for Christ. And don't park in guest parking. Next, you could have, if a member parks in guest parking, you could have car trouble next week. I'm just saying you don't want to do that. <laughs> don't park in guest parking. Let's leave that. All right. Uh, I've been sharing a series of sermons entitled Christ Followers. Today's the last message in that series. 
And today I want to look at the most demanding passage about Christ following. This is a passage that, that frankly, I've been a Christian for 50 years, and, and I, have, uh, I still wrestle with what does this mean for me? What is God calling me to do based on what Jesus has said in this passage? So I want you to wrestle with it too, because I think as a Christ follower, you need to wrestle with what does this mean? So look with me, if you will, at Matthew chapter 16, beginning at verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. This was a new direction in Jesus' teaching. It says, from this time he began to teach this. And so, uh, chronologies of the gospel put this about nine months before the cross. So in these last nine months of his ministry or so, Jesus has turned his attention as I'm going to Jerusalem. They're going to kill me there. It's part of God's plan. I'm going to be raised from the dead. Well, verse 22, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord. This shall never happen to you. Peter says, oh, I've got to straighten Jesus out. He thinks this is good. This is not good. And he rebukes Jesus, and he says, we're not going to let this happen to you. And Jesus, verse 23, turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Now, the context of this passage just before this, if you look at just before what I've read to you, is where uh, Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, blessed are you, Simon, son of John. Flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, and you're the rock, and on this rock I'll build my church. So within the space of five verses, Peter goes from being the rock of the church to a stumbling block. And Jesus says, Peter, this is not what I want. Then, verse 24, here's the verse we're going to look at today. talks about being a Christ follower. Verse 24, Matthew 6, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple or come after me or follow me must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. He's saying, Peter, there's not just a cross for me. There's a cross for you too. Whoever. This is not a higher level of discipleship, folks, he's talking about. This is anybody who wants to be a Christ follower, wants to be a Christian. Whoever would come after me, he says, here are the two things you, want to, you need to do. I want us to look at those two phrases. What do they mean? First of all, he says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Deny yourself. So um, Jesus is, what is he saying there? First of all, what that doesn't mean it doesn't mean that you deny things to yourself. You may give up chocolate for Lent. Well, that's fine. That's not what he's talking about here. Maybe you need to take a, a fast from social media for a month. That might be good for you, but that's not what he means by denying yourself. He's not talking about denying things to yourself. Or I'm just going to do without something and suffer to be like Jesus. What he means here is that you renounce self as the primary dominant principle in your life. That you're not going to live for self, for yourself anymore. You're going to live for Jesus. It means that you will follow your, Jesus' will over your will. It's what Jesus did in the garden when he prayed, not my will but yours be done. He denied himself. And if you want to be a follower of Jesus, he says you need to deny yourself and you put Christ over yourself. Now, folks, this will go if you choose to be a Christ follower, this goes against all the counsel you hear in our world right now. The message of our world is on self-fulfillment 
self-actualization, self-care, taking care of yourself, being your authentic self, the best self you can be. That's the cultural message to have a happy and fulfilling life now that you put yourself first, self-fulfillment. And uh, Maslow had the hierarchy of human needs and self-actualization was the top of those human needs. And so that's the, the pop psychology that you're going to get and that's what you're going to hear today and you just got to see it runs counter to what Jesus said he said yourself is not a good center for your life and when you are self-absorbed you would think that would make you the happiest Jesus says it will not you must deny yourself and this uh, teaching of self-fulfillment folks a subtle danger it bleeds over into Christian books Christian podcasts Christian um, uh, churches that preach now a gospel of self-fulfillment. And it sort of sounds good that Jesus will help you to be the best self that you can be. The problem is, it's just not what Jesus said. And so there's a subtle danger that we buy into this gospel of self-fulfillment. Here's the, uh, the illustration that all these teachers are using. You can Google it. Put your oxygen mask on first. It comes from when you fly on an airplane, that card that they give you and the speech that the flight attendant gives, and they tell you, if we have trouble, an oxygen mask is going to drop down. If you have children, put your oxygen mask on first. The idea of being, if you try to take care of your kids first, and you're trying to get that oxygen mask on them, then you could pass out from depletion of oxygen before you can do that. So the way to help your kids is put that oxygen mask on first, and then you put it on your kids. That's good advice when you're on an airplane. Do what they are telling you. Put your oxygen mask on first. But when it comes to our life, we have used that. You Google it and you'll see it in hundreds of Christian blogs and illustrations now. That that's how we got to live life. Take care of yourself first. The problem with that is, it's just not what Jesus said. Jesus said, not that you deny things to yourself, you try to beat yourself up, you don't like yourself, you just don't think about self. You think about Jesus, and you put him first, and you deny yourself. Now, the second phrase is even harder. It's the same thing goes with it. Whoever would follow me must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Now, what does it mean to be a Christ follower and to take up your cross? Again, let me tell you, first of all, what it does not mean. Taking up your cross does not mean that you're going to add anything to the work of Jesus. It doesn't mean that you work out your salvation by additional suffering. That's what some branches of Christianity would teach, that we add to the atonement by our own suffering. And so we, we beat ourselves up physically or, or in some other way, and you're not going to add any to the suffering of Jesus, to the atonement. That is a once and for all thing. 1 Peter 3.18 says Christ died for sins once and for all, the righteous for the unrighteous. We sing the song, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. We're celebrating today the body and the blood of Jesus, and he's done everything for your salvation, and you don't add to it, you don't work for it. So taking up your cross doesn't mean that you've got to help with the atonement, or you're going to add to salvation, or you've got to do penance, or you've got to do something more, because Jesus has done it all. And taking up your cross does not mean that there's some problem in life that you're going to have to bear. I've heard Christians say, oh, I've got this rheumatism, 
it's terrible, but it's just my cross to bear. Jesus said we're all going to have our cross. Listen, your lumbago or arthritis or whatever is not your cross to bear. We, that's common to all human beings. I, I've heard other people say about their situations. Pastor, somebody said to me one time, I married into a crazy family. My in-laws are crazy. But he said, but that's... But we all have a cross to bear, and that's just my cross to bear. Listen, your mother-in-law is not your cross to bear. It may be tough. It may be rough. I'm just telling you, that's not what he's talking about here. So it's not saying that some ailment or some situation, oh, it's just my cross to bear. Here's what it means. What does it mean when Jesus said to them, you had to take up your cross. The cross was the method of execution. It would be like saying you got to take up your, your, your gas chamber, your electric chair. He's saying you could get killed following me. you, you got to be willing to die for me. And within a few years of this, James, who was standing there listening to Jesus, would be killed by the sword by, by Herod. Read it in Acts 12 too. The first of the disciples to die. He's saying to follow me, you got to be willing to to die. Now, it's likely that none of you sitting here will have to die because you're a Christ follower. It's possible. I don't know where our world is headed in the next 50 years that some of you will be alive. But it's still to me probably pretty doubtful that m any of you here will literally be martyred and killed because of that. Does that mean this has no um, application to us? No. Because it means there must be, even if you don't have to lay down your physical life, for every one of us, there is a spiritual death that we die to self and we live to Christ. Paul said it best in Galatians 2.20 when he says, I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Do you know the first thing that we will do to you if you confess Jesus is Lord? The first thing we will do to you when you confess Jesus is Lord is bury you. Not in soil, but in water. That's what baptism is. Baptism is the first act of showing you're a Christ follower, and you say Jesus is Lord, and whoosh, somebody put you underwater right there. We bury you because you just died. You died to self. Now, thankfully, we don't leave you there. We bring you up, and you are alive to Christ. But the first thing we do is bury you because anyone who wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And so you need to die to self as the center of your life and that Christ is now the center of your life. Let me tell you the story of James and Mary Calvert. In the mid-1800s, James and Mary Calvert felt called to go as missionaries to Fiji. The ship captain that brought them there as they were anchored offshore knew that cannibals lived on those Fiji islands. He pled with them not to disembark from the ship. He said to them, you will lose your life and the lives of all those with you. And James Calvert responded, we died before we came here. We died before we came here. What did he mean? There had already been that taking up the cross. There had already been that death to self. There had already been surrendering of their lives to Jesus. Say, Jesus, whatever you want for my life, I'm going to follow you. They said, he said, we died before we came here. James and Mary Calvert got off that ship, lived for 18 years, and Fiji won many of the people to Christ, including the chief, translated the Bible into the Fiji language. And you might say, well, that's just an old story, back from the 1800s. So let me tell you another modern chapter to that story. 
Stephen and Emily Foreman in this century, the 21st century, went to North Africa because they had a burden to lead Muslim people there to know Jesus Christ. They had a normal home in America with four kids with a white picket fence, and they left it because they felt God was calling them to go to North Africa. Stephen Foreman, at age 39, was killed by Al-Qaeda. He left Emily with four kids, and she continued to try to reach the Muslims. She wrote a book about her story, and do you know what she entitled her book? We died before we came here. Picking up Calvert's phrase, his quote from the 1800s, and she said, that's why we came, and that's how we came. We died before we came. We'd already surrendered our lives. And so I'm not going to leave because we died before we came here. And I don't know how that will work out to you, but I'm simply saying to you, if you want to be a Christ follower, it's not self-fulfillment, it's not self-actualization. It is, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up a cross, and follow me. It'll mean that self that is on the throne of your life must abdicate the throne and allow Jesus to be on that throne. And that all my decisions and my priorities and my goals and my dreams and my money and my time and my family and my kids are all under the lordship of Jesus Christ because I've died to self and I've lived to him. And that will be the way to find the greatest life. And the next verse says, whoever tries to hold on to his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for me will find it. Got one more thing to share with you. This verse that we've been looking at Matthew 16, 24, is in all three of the synoptic Gospels. That's what we call Matthew, Mark, and Luke because they're very similar viewpoint. Matthew 16, 24 and Mark 8, 34, Mark's verse, are exactly the same. But Luke 9, 23, the third account of this, adds one word to this verse. Luke adds one word. Now, I do not mean that Luke adds the word when I say that. I believe Jesus on another occasion said it with this word added, and Luke faithfully recorded that. But there is one word additional in Luke. Let me read Luke 9.23 to you. Whoever wants me to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Did you hear the additional word? Luke adds the word that Jesus said Daily. So what we're talking about here is not just when you get saved. Yes, when you get saved, you got to say, Jesus is Lord. I deny myself. I'm not going to live for self anymore. I'm going to live for the will of God. You take up your cross. I, I'm crucified with Christ, and I'll be baptized to show that. But it also means that old self's going to keep trying to claw, claw back onto the throne of your life every day. And it's going to be a renewal in your life and a daily thing to following Christ that I will daily die to self and you'll face some new situation at work and you, you're tempted in the self-centered way to act there and you realize, i got to die daily. Take up my cross and follow Him. And so that's why we come to the Lord's Supper. Lord's Supper is for people who have already been baptized, already died to self, risen to Christ, put him at the center of their lives. But we come to renew that covenant to celebrate, first of all, the finished work of Christ. He paid it all. We don't add anything to it. It's by his body, body and blood that our sins are totally forgiven. But it is also a renewal for us and that the cross is not only a historical event, it's a spiritual principle. And so that we come today to reaffirm 
that I have denied self and died to self, but self keeps trying to claw back into the center of my life, and I must daily renew that. And this becomes one of the ways that we renew that, that I'm not living for me. Uh, I, I believe my best life will come when Jesus is at the center of my life. What's he saying to you about your relationships, your time, your money, your priorities, your dreams, your goals? What's he saying to you about the direction of your life? Would you deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow him? I'm going to pray. Our deacons are going to assemble while I'm praying, and we're going to distribute the Lord's Supper. If you're a guest with us, so we welcome you. If you're a believer and follower of Christ to renew the covenant with us, you're certainly welcome at the Lord's table. Our tradition is we're going to pass the bread out first, and everybody will just hold it until everybody's served. We'll do the same with the cup, and then we'll all eat, and we'll all drink uh, together. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you that you set your face to Jerusalem and you went to the cross and you died for us. And Lord, we can never say thank you enough. We're so grateful. We love you, Lord. And we thank you that our sins are forgiven and we confess our sin now as we approach the Lord's table. If there's any outstanding sin in our life, we want to turn from it. We want it under the blood. We want to be right in fellowship with you. We want this to be a renewal of our relationship with you. And Lord, we come to just reaffirm the denial of self and the taking up of our own cross. So may this be a time when we die to self again. We once again reestablish you upon the throne of our lives. I pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.
said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
Jesus said, this cup is my blood of the new covenant shed for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. I want to extend an, an invitation to those of you who are here today who are not yet Christ followers. Today, would you come to follow Jesus as Lord of your life? It will mean denying yourself and taking up your cross. But it will also mean that in losing your life, you will find it richer and fuller than ever before. The disciples were shocked when Jesus shared the demands of discipleship. And so they said to him, Lord, we left everything to follow you. What will happen to us? And he said to them, Anyone who follows me will have, as the left father or mother, will have father and mother and houses and lands a hundredfold and in the age to come, eternal life. As we surrender to our lives to Christ, we find in him a richer, fuller, deeper life not centered in self, but centered in Him. Would you stand together with me? If today you would come to follow Christ, be buried in the water of baptism, and rise to new life in Him, with Him as your Lord, would you walk forward as we sing and meet me here at the front? We'll rejoice with you. Uh, a decision counselor can answer any questions you have, pray with you, and uh, we'll rejoice and uh, plan for your baptism. If you want to join our church, if you want to come and pray about something in your life as you've recommitted your life to Christ today, or or uh, as you struggle to, for self to be off the throne of your life, you want to pray. Somebody would be glad to pray with you. Come to me. I'll pray with you with someone to pray with you. Let's sing together.
grab a seat. As we close here this morning, just a couple of reminders on the days that we uh, partake of the Lord's Supper. We take a benevolence offering just to help those within our church family. And so any loose change or uh, dollar bills that are in the offering boxes will be uh, placed in our benevolence fund to help those uh, within our church community that maybe have unexpected things that come up. Uh, they need just a little bit of financial help. So uh, just remember, any loose change in the boxes today will go toward that. I want to direct your attention to a couple of things that are related to this week and involved with Easter, things that you need to know. Today we have uh, our Easter egg hunt here at the church, and so that you can see the, the activities listed there in your worship guide. That begins at 1.30, end at 3.30. There's age-graded Easter egg hunts, lots of fun activities, a petting zoo, some face painting. Uh, bring your children. They'll be involved in that. Have a great time with that. So being mindful of that, um, if you are parked on this side of the building, anywhere on this side of the lot where all those activities are going to take place, oftentimes people run out and grab lunch and just leave their car here all day long. Uh, today we'd appreciate if you would leave your car in the back parking lot when you go out for lunch and to go walk the Greenway or whatever you're doing and not leave it here in the way of all those activities. So if you wouldn't mind to move your car, that'd be great. You can also pick up an Easter devotional. Uh, for young families, those are down there at the welcome desk coming in the children's entrance. It's a great way just for you to each day walk your child through uh, the events that took place in the life of Jesus in his final days. And so pick that devotional up for your family. It's a great way to just uh, go through scripture with them about this week. And finally, then, we've got Easter invitation cards that are there at the welcome desk here as you're walking out there uh, where Dr. Cox is at. So if you've got somebody that you want to invite to church, this is an easy way just to be able to hand them a card invite them to church next week. It's got all the service times, all the information on there. So it makes it handy to be able to invite them and just give them that card so they have something in their hand with that information on it. Let me close this out in prayer and we'll be dismissed this morning. Father in heaven, we thank you uh, just for the chance uh, to be here today, just to worship you. And Lord, we have gathered um, and just offer our to you and, and pray, Lord, that you I would just perform surgery on our hearts that we could fall in love with you that we'll die daily to you father commit our lives and our will to you uh, father help us each day to do that it's in your sons and we pray amen